0: Um, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. Tonight's sermon will come from the book of Revelation chapter 7. As you all know, we've been walking our way um, through a sermon series in the book of Acts, and tonight we take a break from that, but not a break that's wholly different. The book of Acts has shown us the um, beginnings of the church. The book of Revelation chapter 7 in particular Shows us sort of the end goal of all things. And so um, Rachel Wood and Jason Little will be reading um, tonight's text for us. So would you listen closely and carefully to this God's Word?
1: From the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
2: And our scripture reading uh, today comes from Revelation chapter 7 beginning in verse 9. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in, this, in his temple. And he who sits on the throne... Will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask that in this moment you would do the thing, Lord, that only you can do. Pray by the power of your spirit that you would shine light on these words that are in your word. Lord, would you shine light on places in our hearts where light needs to be shown. Lord, would you allow these moments to be a time that anchors us in a very sure and steady hope and that invites us, Lord, into a great participation, Lord, in your victory. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So there's a few different ways that one can conceive of the role of the pastor. Okay? So, for example... You can conceive of the role of a pastor as of that of preacher and teacher. Stands up, preaches things, goes into rooms, teaches things. Pastor can be conceived of as a preacher-teacher person. A second option to conceive of the role of the pastor would be the shepherd, counselor, caregiver. Pastors sit Um, each week with folks from their churches and hear about things happening in the very real lives and situations of the people and in a myriad of ways try to apply the medicine of the gospel to hearts and souls. That's pastor as counselor, caregiver. You can also conceive of the role of the pastor as leader in some way to lead a team of people toward um, particular plans, strategy, etc., Um, That's at least a way you can conceive of the work of the pastor. But tonight, I want to give you a fourth way to conceive of the role of pastor, and one that I think is somewhat underrated, okay? And that's the role of the pastor as vocabulary expander. See, one of the things that I enjoy doing as part of my work is to try to give to you all words, good words that would perhaps give you language for some things that you may already know, but you just needed a good word for it, okay? So tonight, I've never really done this before, quite like this, but I'm going to give you a word tonight. Um, It's a Greek word. I don't think I've ever actually dropped a Greek word in this pulpit before, but tonight I'm going to, okay? Okay, the word is telos or telos tomato, tomato, telos, telos, okay? I did expect you to think that was funnier than you did right there. But it's a really important word for the Bible. The word telos or telos has to do with the end goal of a thing, okay? The end aim, the goal. Telos is imagine a target to which something is aimed. The thing that 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 the, the arrow or whatever that hits that target is it hitting its end, its goal, its aim, its telos, its telos. And it's a really important idea in the Bible because the Bible teaches us that our God has an aim. It's one of the things that actually makes him unique. Versus all the pagan deities on offer in ancient cultures, this God, the God that is revealed in the Bible as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knows what he's doing. And he's got desires, goals, aims. And because he has desires and goals and aims, he makes a world. And that world has an end. It has an end goal. He's moving it somewhere because God has aims and desires and he's made a world, he's made human creatures to be part of his world. That's you and me. And when he made you, and when he made me, and when he made we, he did that in order to aim our lives toward some kind of end goal. And I tell you all that As a way to begin tonight, because tonight we get a glimpse at a scene from the book of Revelation that is a kind of telos text of Scripture. Okay, this passage that you just heard read unveils for us what God's desire, what his aim, what his goal, the direction in which he is moving this world, the direction in which he is moving your life and mine So that's what we're going to look at tonight. And the main thing I want you to hear from the explanation of this vision, the main thing I want you to hear is that you and I are invited to participate in God's great victory. Now you might be like me and sometimes you struggle with the idea of purpose. What's my life for? What I'm telling you tonight is that your life is for, your life is intended, your life is aimed at this great end goal. You're invited to be a participant in Jesus' victory. So let's take a look at this. The way we're going to do it, this is a beautiful, vivid, um, scene that, that John, the seer, sees when he, and he writes it down. And, and this vision um, has a couple of features that I want to point out for you. Okay, the first feature is that it is a global vision. Okay, the second feature I'm going to point out for you is that we're going to hear about the presence of the Lamb. A third feature is it's a vision that shows us what it means to endure And then a fourth feature is it tells us that one day all things will be made new and right. So that's the way we'll proceed through this. So let's take a look. First of all, let's look at the ways in which this vision is a global one. Look at verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. These words that John uses mirror almost exactly God's original promise to Abraham. In the book of Genesis, we learn that God, the God of the Bible, the Lord over all things, he makes extravagant, gracious promises to a man named, Abraham, named Abram, he later gets his name changed to Abraham, and the promise is that one day you will be the father of a great nation. You'll have descendants more numerous than the sand on the seashore, more numerous than the stars in the sky. And what John, the seer, is telling us, that in this vision, the Lord's promises to Abraham have been fulfilled. They've been made full. But see, Abraham was going to be blessed in order that he could bless all nations. And what we learn is that God has used his people as a conduit by which to bless the entire world. What we see here is that God's heart is a global heart. He loves all peoples. He loves all nations. Nations. He delights in cultures and languages that are foreign to you and to me. He delights in customs of other people. God's a creative God and He has created creatively peoples and He loves them. There are some of you in this room that are kind of uh, travelers and, and you really enjoy going to other places and to other cultures. Um, if that is you, this new heavens and this new earth that we will one day enjoy, um, it's going to be your kind of place. You're really going to enjoy it. If you like exotic foods and flavors from different parts of the world, you're going to love it. If you like music and art from other places in the world, you are really going to love being there. If you're the kind of person that you don't really like other cultures and foods, then you're going to have forever to get used to it. <laughs> so be encouraged. And despite what is sung in the U2 song, one thing that's, no, that's notable here is that not all colors bleed into one. It's very unique and distinct. In other words, on that day, we'll be able to recognize, say, Chinese people as Chinese people. We'll be able to recognize people from other cultures as people from those other cultures. We'll be able to recognize their dress and their language and their customs. They haven't bled into one. What we see here, in other words, is an unbelievable, deep, and rich unity, but it's a unity, particularly in diversity. It's a beautiful vision. As was prayed earlier, The Bible tells us that worshipers from every tongue and tribe and nation, so some of those worshipers will worship, they'll sing, and they'll sing in Thai. Jake and Courtney are being sent out tonight in pursuit of that goal. Some worshipers, if we pray tonight, will speak Turkish. Jamie Ganan, the other member of our church whom we support, he is involved in God's work in Turkey, and he's doing it in pursuit of this goal goal. Grace Fellowship has a global mission team that makes plans and tries in many ways to stir up opportunities to pray for and to pursue this great goal. The first thing you have to see is that this vision, this end, this aim is a global one. So let's look at a second feature of this vision. It has to do with the presence of the Lamb. Let me explain. Verse 9 After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and standing before the Lamb. See, in the book of Revelation, the, the, the favorite title for our Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation is that of the Lamb. See, as the apostle John, when he records Jesus' baptism, he looks at Jesus coming to the baptismal waters and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and that Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the world is forever known in all of eternity as the Lamb of God. Who has sacrificed himself for you and for me? Sometimes I think we have this idea that God is God and he sort of becomes Jesus temporarily, and then he kind of goes back to whatever he was before that. And that is distinctly not what Christian theology teaches us. But that the eternal Son of God is forever known as the Lamb the book of Revelation chapter five, it's, he still looks like a lamb who was slain. He still bears the scars and the marks of his suffering. If you've ever wondered, if you've ever had that thing deep down inside you that wondered, what, I wonder what God at the end of the day, this almighty powerful creator God, I wonder at the end of the day what he's actually like. The scriptures teach us that he's actually like Jesus who's given himself for you and for me. The Bible goes on to teach us in a different place in the book of Revelation that one day we'll be in his very presence like these worshipers are here and now. They're in his very presence. The scriptures teach us that we will see Jesus's very face. As you've heard me say to you before, it will be the face that you have looked for in all the best and worst moments of your life. He's the suffering servant son of God, but he has won a great victory. And the celebration and the worship of this vision is centered around this idea that they're in the very presence of Christ. So it's a global vision. It's a vision centered on the very presence of Christ. Your life, your life is being aimed at one day enjoying the very presence of Jesus. Okay, here's a third feature of this vision. It's a vision that highlights endurance, Look with me again verse nine. And after that, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. These white robes, these palm branches, these are pictures in the book of Revelation of Victory palm branches when they're waved are a symbol of victory see god's people you and me we will have endured we will have victory these white robes these are the robes that are given in the book of revelation to the martyrs those who've endured at great cost but they're finally home and free These white robes, this is often a picture in the scriptures, in the book of Revelation in particular, of of cleansing. In other words, they will have endured through all their sin struggles. They will have endured through the temptation of evil, the discouragement of death. They will have made it. And they're wearing white robes, and and listen to what they're saying with their white robes robes and waving their palm branches. Verse 10, they're crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And when God's people cry that out, Look at what happens in response. Verse 11, And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. Worship in a new heavens and new earth is responsive. One song is being sung, and when that song's sung, all of heaven angels sing back something, and then they sing, and they sing back and forth. And this is, this is all a picture of just victorious, kind of raucous singing. It's actually more like being at a big sporting event and, and busting out into some sort of fight song at the end. It's a song of victory. It's loud, loud. They feel victorious because they have endured. See, your life is moving toward being home free. So it's a global vision. It's a vision centered around the very presence of Jesus. It's a vision marked with an emphasis on endurance. And then finally... A vision where we learn that all things have been made new and right look at verse 13 then one of the elders addressed me saying who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come and i this is john the seer seeing this vision i said sir you know Which I don't know why that always works in the Bible, but when people see visions, someone asks them a question and they don't know the answer. They say, I think you know the answer. And then they talk. That's what's happening here. I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, they have endured through trial. And then listen to the promise. The arc of your life and my life is long and it can often be painful and difficult. But it is bending toward all things being made new and right. More practically, there is not one hurt. Injury, scar that won't be healed, not one. There is not one burden that you carry, not one, that won't be lifted so that you can find rest. There is not one wrestling match that you're wrestling with the powers of evil, sin, and death where you will not win victory and not have to wrestle anymore. There is not one failure that won't be redeemed. There's not one desire that lives in the deep parts of your soul, in your bones, that won't be satisfied. There's not one pleasure that you won't enjoy in its ultimate fullness. There's not one wrong that won't be righted. There's not anything out of whack that won't be set straight again. There's no injustice that won't be answered for. It's a beautiful vision. And John tells us this vision so that you would know you're an inv- it's an invitation to participation. To be a part of the great victory. Like in other words, if the train is moving to that station, you can jump on and ride. You have the opportunity for your life to count, to matter toward this end. John's told you this picture so that you would feel it and know it. So as we conclude tonight, uh, I want to just speak directly to your heart in light of this vision. Number one, may this vision that John has shown us, may it give you tonight such sure and steady hope. See, our tendency rather than fixing our eyes on Christ, rather than fixing our eyes on the certainty that he offers. See, our tendency is to be curved in on ourselves and to look to hope internally. And this call is to look outside of ourselves to what Jesus has most certainly done to fix our eyes there. So it's an invitation to hope tonight. Secondly, this vision that John has shown us, it's an invitation, as we've seen in the book of Acts, and as I just mentioned, to participate, to, in other words, be a witness And the easiest way to think of the word witness in the New Testament is to be a person who's pointing. Just a pointer. You're just a pointer. See, Jake and Courtney will go to Thailand to be pointers. Our friend Jamie Ganan is in Turkey to be a pointer. Each of you, dotted throughout our city tomorrow, There's a map in our foyer that shows all the places where you live and where you work. If you've done what you've been asked, and put a pin in there. As pointers. Sometimes we wonder, what are we called to? Well, we're called to be pointers. And that plays out in all kinds of different ways for us. Some of us are called to go far. Some of us are called to stay near. We're all called to be Pointers. There are people in this body who are pointing in all sorts of different ways. There are people in this body who spend their life advocating for those who are on the outside, who are struggling, who are vulnerable. They're living life as a pointer. There are people in our body that are building friendships with great intentionality in order to be pointers to what Jesus has done. Sometimes this looks like ordinary things. Sometimes it looks like extraordinary things as his spirit leads us. There are people in this body that that I get to hear about who feel called to give and to give extra to this kind of vision that God's name might be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. There are people that I know who have dedicated themselves to fervently praying and supporting those who go. Whether it's far or or near or extraordinary, ordinary, you and I are called to be pointers, to be a means of grace, of God's grace. In the words of a dear friend, he's part of our global mission team, Brad Holker said this to me a thousand times, to be a means of God's grace so that the voices in this chorus might be just one voice louder. Last thing I'm gonna say to you tonight. When you're a pastor, people ask you all the time, hey, Joel, what's your vision for the church? And... um. I think I know what they mean. I, I think what they mean is, what, am I, what are we planning on doing, say, five years from now? All right? And, and I don't always have a great answer to that question. But tonight, I want to give you sort of a answer to that question. Here's, here's my vision for Grace Fellowship. Okay, I, have, I have lots of ideas for grace fellowship but but just hear me as I explain my vision for our church and i'm not joking when i tell you this my goal my aim my tell us for grace fellowship and I'm not kidding is that one day we can be a part of this multitude okay because we if you're in Christ you most certainly will be and you know when you're in a part in a big crowd, you know how you go to try to find the people you know to talk to them and stand by them, like at a wedding or something? Do you know what I'm talking about? So, so my vision for our church is that we're a part of this multitude and we scan around the big room and we find each other. And we sing this song, which is a version of a song that we sing in here often, And that when we're singing that song, at some point, we could kind of look over and catch each other's eyes and just smile and say, we were a part of it. We made it. When you taught kids back there, it was toward this. When you set up chairs out there, it was toward this. When you helped us proofread our worship guide, it was for this. When you played notes to lead us in singing, it was for this. When you organized our food drive, it was for this. When you had people in your living room and you faithfully showed up there to talk in home group, it was for this. I'm not kidding. my, My vision for our church is that one day we could be here and look at each other and just smile. We're invited to participate in Jesus's great victory. What else is there? Let's pray. Lord, now we ask that your spirit would guide us slowly, steadily, sacrificially into what it would mean to live as participants. Lord, I pray that we would hear this as an invitation of those who've been set free. And I pray that on that day that we've just read about, we have great joy in all the things that you have done and all the things that you have done through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.